Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, when you sign up using code DNVR, you're going to make a $5 bet turn into $150 in free bets when you pick the winner on any game in the NBA Finals. That's it. Pick the winner, and your $5 bet becomes $150 in free bets on DraftKings Sportsbook when you sign up using code DNVR. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons. And joining me today, as he does each and every week, early in the week, he's the voice of the Colorado Rockies for AT&T Sportsnet. He's the host of the Drew Goodman podcast. It's our good buddy, Drew Goodman. What's going on today? Not too much, Patrick. How you doing, man? Doing well. Feeling good. Getting used to this uh, tiredness. I'm embracing it. I like it. I set the alarm this morning for six hours, and I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm, I'm excited about life, doing things, and so sleep is now on the back burner now. Yeah, I got a little catch-up day today. As you can see, I'm in a hotel room. Um, so I got a little uh, little catch-up day because we have an off day in uh, in San Francisco. So uh, I, I got to sleep in a little bit before uh, before embarking on, on my day. That's good. What, what's the weather going to be like there in San Francisco? What can we uh, expect for... I never look ahead, but it's San Francisco, so it's going to be, you know, cloudless, cloudless skies, I assume. It's beautiful out today. It's actually warmed up. We were just here, as you know, a few weeks ago, you were here, and uh, it's it's a lot warmer than it was. That's nice. Is San Francisco one of the better cities to get an off day in, where you, you kind of look forward to it? You got your favorite spots that you go to. Is that is that a good is that a good off day, so to speak? Interesting question. Um, you know, I've always enjoyed San Francisco. I will say that, you know, downtown, as you probably heard, it's, you know, it's especially after it, it, downtown's always been, I don't want to say it's, it, it's a beautiful city, but, you know, they have they have big city issues. And I would say some of those issues have been exacerbated a little bit by by COVID. But uh, I love San Francisco. Good places to eat, beautiful scenery, good places to walk. Um, I may go get a car and and take a drive down the PCH and, and, uh, you know, head, head south of, uh, you know, head south of Half Moon Bay. It's, you know, it's a beautiful drive. And since I don't have, uh, anywhere to be, I think I may do that as well. I once drove a roommate. He was moving to California. We were two blocks away from the Atlantic ocean in Manasquan, New Jersey. And we got all the way to Half Moon Bay where his uncle lived. He was going to stay there. And we were now two blocks away from the Pacific coast we did it in two and a half days. Oh my gosh! Wow, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a job. We, I made it a job. Also, too, I, I'd booked the flight, and I knew the sooner that we got out there, the more time I would have in California. So, we we Jersey to I to Des Moines, Iowa on day one. Des Moines, Iowa to like Wendover, Utah, on day two, and then boom, we arrived for uh, lunch. So we we left on a Monday. We got there on Wednesday afternoon. Let's rock and roll. Have some fun. Was there no dose involved? No, no, it definitely was like, you know, me sleeping and uh, my, my buddy a couple of times, you know, woke me up driving on the side of the road, you know, the little rumble strips there. I'm like, 
Come on, man. You got to hold up your end of the bargain. Let's go. <laughs> Wake up. I've gone, uh, I've never gone the first time when I moved to Colorado, I moved to Aspen, uh, at a college and I, so I did that, but I did it like, you know, New York to somewhere in Pennsylvania. Cause I started midday and then I went Pennsylvania to St. Louis and then St. Louis to Hayes, Kansas, and then Hayes, Kansas spent the night in Denver and then on up it was the winter into the mountains. So I kind of, I kind of took my time. I've done, I've done, uh, you know, I did Aspen to LA once. I've obviously done a lot of the Denver, Denver, Tucson, Denver, Phoenix shot, Dallas, Denver during COVID did that one. There you go. But across the country, man, in two and a half days, that's a, that's a heroic effort. I, I think it was a good choice. No, no regrets. Uh, an extra day or two in, in the Bay area versus day in st louis or something yeah just 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 get me there just get me there what how do you i'm curious because on this road trip a lot of games seven games in six days right we got that interesting uh double header on saturday in, in in san diego not to get too far down the line but i think a lot of people would be curious to know what what is your preparation like for an upcoming series obviously if it's in the division you know there's some familiarity they're playing the giants here now for the third time haven't played the padres yet but you got the Giants for the third time. What is it typically like to to get yourself ready and acclimated, aware of the players and kind of what they've been doing in the last week or so? What is that process like for you uh, and or you know the rest of the AT and T booth? Well, I can I, I speak for myself, but um, you know, when, with the beginning of a series, your it's different when you're in the division because you know, the teams in the division you see frequently. Now, San Diego will be different because it's the first time this year we haven't seen you know bob melvin the last time i saw bob melvin you know he was the manager of the of the diamondbacks i mean that's not true i've seen him when he was with oakland but basically uh so it, it there's going to be uh you know a lot more conversations between uh you know talking to coaches talking to fellow broadcasters that sort of thing but you do that on every series and i'll do that uh, tomorrow when we get to the ballpark with the giant guys and you know, talk to Kuiper and Kruko and Dave Fleming and John Miller, who's been my guest the last couple of weeks on on the podcast and just compare notes, but we just saw them. So, so you're up to speed. You're, you're always going to be more up to speed with the teams inside your division. There's a familiarity, especially with guys in the bullpen and, uh, you know, getting up, uh, getting up to speed with who's hot and who's not and who's cooled off and, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so got injured and they brought up this guy. And so that, that's the nature of it. And, and reading a lot and you're doing you know a ton of that stuff the front side of the um you know series and then as you get into the series it's more reflecting on maybe what happened last night and leading into you know game two and game three um when you get outside of the division uh, there's even more homework that takes place um, once again because you're not as familiar with those teams yeah it's it's a lot of work you know, here, obviously hearing you describe it and, and knowing and, and seeing what you guys do, because you're covering the Rockies every single day. You've got to know every little detail about everything. Did, you know, was Chris Bryant working out today? You know, how's the back? Is he taking swings yet? Okay, what's going on in, in AAA with Ryan Feltner's last start? Okay, is he going to be into the rotation? All those things. So it can be hard to kind of keep tabs on, you know, what the Giants did in their last series and et cetera. So it's uh, yeah, it's it, it's fun work, obviously, but you're right. You got to do a lot of reading, I think. And and 
boots on the ground, talking to those other teams and maintaining those relationships with the, the other organizations, coaching staff, et cetera. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I, I enjoy doing that. I, I look at it as part of the job because you can never have enough uh, information and it, it's a challenge when you're doing, you know, one team because you know, you're trying to come up with fresh material. I, I've always said this, that, you know, your key guys, you know, CJ Crone, uh, you know, Charlie Blackman. I mean, those guys are going to come to the plate 550, 600 times. And it's not like you can give everybody a, you know, a new tidbit every time they come up, but, you know, you try to visit with them and, and, and read and, and find some things periodically that, um, that will, uh, you know, give people more insight into, you know, their favorite players and their, and their team and the team that's, that's being played. That's, you know, the challenge. And uh, one of the beautiful things about the uh, broadcasting, the game of baseball is over, as I've always said, is that it lends um, the sport lends itself to being anecdotal. You can tell stories, you can tell detailed stories at times about individuals or about teams or about circumstances and you can draw that out of your partners who, uh, you know, played the game for a long time. And, and um, I think that's, that's part of what makes an enjoyable, from my standpoint, uh, an enjoyable narration of what's taking place out on the field on a night to night basis, because baseball is an ongoing soap opera, right? Yeah. It's the only one that's played every day. The NBA, the NHL, they play a lot, but a busy week for them is four games in a week. Uh, for a major league baseball team, they play seven a week and, uh, you know, a, a light week is six, you know, on, on the rarest of occasions, there's probably one week in the season where they'll have a Monday and a Thursday off. I mean, that's it. So it's day after day after day, good, bad, or indifferent right now. It's been bad, right. For the, for the Rockies, but you know, you, you have to go and, and narrate that story and, and you have to be up every day and, and be ready to go and try to be informative and try to be fresh uh, because there are people, even when things aren't going well, that are going to tune in at, in the evening. And that's uh, a big part of either, you know, their entertainment for that night or the background noise as they move around their home and, you know, maybe have dinner or, or do whatever they're doing. And it's on in the background. That's kind of been the nature of, of baseball uh, for generations. You have a friend that you know, is, is into theater, is in, into drama, does, does acting and stuff like that. And as you say, you know, sports in general is, is like a soap opera a daily soap opera in baseball with 162 games over six months. And he, he, he always finds it strange when other people in the theater aren't into sports because it's the best kind of drama. It's, it's high theater. It's, it's high drama. It's, it's amazing like that. And if you need something new on, on CJ Crone, I got something for you. He's, he's whipping a couple of people at chess. Chess is buzzing. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, I saw him and uh, Rymac, you know, going going toe to toe. So he's you know a long, big chess guy. Do you know how long he's been playing? I'm guessing you might. He's no, I don't. Playing, he's been playing about a year. He had never played until uh, he started last year. Charlie Blackman introduced him, and he goes, and Charlie was kicking my ass for a while, and now I'm kind of getting up to speed. So uh, this has been uh, – a, a relatively new endeavor for CJ going back to when he became a Rocky and, and he started playing with Chuck. Oh yeah. They were getting competitive. It was Cronin McMahon. You could hear the barbs kind of going back and forth. Yeah. And I think McMahon was looking at some notes. He was trying to figure out some strategies to go. So Oberg was a big guy, right? I think Oberg and, uh, and Adovino, they used to play chess a lot. Well, 
Oberg and Adovino, um, for what I understand, played a lot. Oberg and Adovino were very close friends. I assume they still are very close friends. Uh, you know, both from the East Coast, both really cerebral guys. I mean, truly, truly, really bright guys. You know, Scott Oberg's very sharp. Adam Adovino, very, very sharp. And they kind of, they gravitated toward one, uh, each other for, I think, a variety of reasons. I think, uh, you know, also, you know, politically aligned uh, and, um, you know, deep thinkers. Yeah, love that. No, they, they are still uh, connected when, when the Mets were in town. Caught up with Otto for a bunch and, uh, you know, obviously great words to say about about his good friends. And uh, and, I, and I imagine you probably have great words to, to say about the DNVR bar. I don't, I don't think Adam Adovino has been there officially. We can't say that. We can speculate that he would have loved it. He, uh, I'm sure he's a, he's a hockey guy. He's pr- maybe, you know, pulling for those Rangers there in New York. But uh, the Avalanche right now, they've got the city. Uh, t- they, they, they've got control of the city. they, they got a stranglehold on it, no doubt. And we've got watch parties going on all the time. We're going to have them for the Stanley Cup finals, you name it, down in the corner of Colfax in York. Members, for only 50 cents, you can become a member to the DNVR.com. You get a member-sized beer. You get discounts on merch, the Broncos tailgates. If you come out to any of those, we've got party buses going to Nuggets games, Avs. We'll be doing some Rockies games here coming up soon. You get extra raffle tickets at all of our watch parties to win some free gear, as well as access to our members-only Discord where... We're going to put a little extra additional content in there for y'all that we might not put out publicly. Uh, you don't have to worry about politics or a-holes, nothing like that. It's fantastic. It's the dnvr.com. And if you want an annual membership, you actually get a free shirt from DNVR Locker as well. And look, if you're having trouble sleeping, I'm not. I'm fine with my six hours. But sometimes I do have a little bit of trouble getting into that sleep cycle. We'll want to optimize fast asleep gummies is the thing that allows folks to feel rested, refreshed in the morning. It's not an over-the-counter drug that's going to leave you in a fog and knock you out. No, we're talking 10 milligrams of CBD, hint of THC. It's going to have your eyelids feeling heavy in just 5 to 15 minutes. And in zero minutes, you can order Wana Optimal's fastest gummies at lightshade.com and get 25% off code DNVR. Use code DNVR at any of Lightshade's 11 Denver metro area locations and you want to watch more Drew Goodman or you want to watch some of me, yes, there's a DNVR channel now on Evaca TV. You can do that by going to evaca.tv slash DNVR where there's zero hidden fees or contracts. It's $25 per month plus the cost of a receiver. The price gets locked in for two years and then you never have to worry again about missing out on the Nuggets or Avalanche. Yeah, it's the off season, but they're going to be going again uh, very, very soon. And for the Avs, big games coming up still as we know. And you get Rockies with AT&T Sportsnet with our guy Drew Goodman here. And yeah, there's a DNVR channel as well where you can watch all of our coverage from all the different sports, you name it. And right now, when you use code DNVR, on top of visiting evaca.tv slash DNVR, you're going to get $10 off your first three months. So now it's only $15 per month to start. We did get to see a a start of a of a new era when it comes to uniforms. City Connect, we've talked about it a bunch. We we broke it down. We probably could have done an hour, hour and a half on them. I was curious, just from your take, uh, how did you like seeing them out on the field, particularly in the sun on, on Sunday? They definitely popped the white, the green. It was different, but interesting, to say the least. I didn't like the results in the uniform, but I haven't liked the results in the old uniforms either lately. Um, I I liked them. I thought it was different. It's cool. 
We're just talking about baseballs every day. Baseball has the opportunity to do things differently. They have nickname weekend. They have, uh, you know, they play games in Williamsport. Uh, There's a lot of things baseball can do in the course of 162 games to make the sporting public pause, even the casual baseball observer and say, hey, that's pretty cool. I like those uniforms. I like that they're playing a ball game in Williamsport. I like that they're going to Mexico City. I like that they're, uh, you know, got nicknames on the back of their uniforms. So uh, baseball is doing a good job in trying to be current, trying to be hip. And I like the the City Connect unis. I was just talking to one of my sons today, and I said, what'd you think? And, and I know all my boys, they loved it. And, you know, they all... Listen, it's a good marketing thing, right? They're just, you know, the ballpark, even before they'd worn them on Saturday for the first time, you were there, Patrick. Everybody's wearing it already. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. so, so it's been a, a boon financially for, for Major League Baseball and for the Rockies. So, uh, again, I, I, I've enjoyed it. Um, I, I thought the uniforms did uh, did look pretty cool. Yeah, they, they looked really sharp. Uh, one of the things that uh, has been discussed with the uniforms and – Again, I, I'm I'm okay with it, but also it I don't have to worry about it. The numbers on the back, we, we knew it was going to be an issue. Obviously, white numbers and half the half of the the number is on the green section, so the bottom part of the number stands out. But then on the top half, it's it's where it's white. So you got white on white with a thin purple line around the numbers. Trouble seeing the numbers, and if so, is that important? In, in doing what you do? It might sound like a silly question, but is that important to be able to see those numbers exactly? No, and I'm going to share with you something funny. If we went around right now and you said, all right, what number does so-and-so wear on the Rockies? And I do every damn Rockies game, right? I would I would not get close to everyone right. I really wouldn't. Same. Because I, I just know how they, who they are. I know who they are visually. Uh, you can tell body type. You can tell by where they are on the field. You can tell from afar how they move. It's the same thing when you were, you know, if you call a hockey team all the time, you can just tell by how the gait of how a guy skates. Where it's really important is when you're calling football. You you really need to be able to see those numbers. I'll tell a quick story. I was doing the University of Texas and Louisiana Lafayette in Austin a number of years ago and Louisiana Lafayette broke out these new uniforms and they were very geometric, the numbers. So they were kind of really vertical and not wide. And every number from afar, my spotter was going nuts. He goes, everybody looks like number 11, 54, (laughs) 32. Everybody looked like number 11. So to give me, you know, who, who made the catch and, and you know who the tackler was it was very difficult that's when it's most important but i don't look at a number and go oh that's oh that's jose iglesias i know what jose who jose iglesias even on the other team i mean that's jock peterson coming up that's brandon crawford his mane's coming out of the back of his hat i I know i've seen him a million times so i don't even know what numbers most of these guys wear so for for me doing what i do not an issue, but if you're a fan and, a, and and just come to a couple of ball games a year and you're trying to go, hey, who's that? Is that 20? Is it a two and a three? I could see where that may be an issue, but I didn't even notice until you described it to me. I had no idea what it looked like on the back. 
Uh, that's interesting. I, that that was kind of my my take on it too. Is I don't think we necessarily need to know what what the number looks like from afar because you know again on, and on the score you don't even need to have a program right. You don't need to be keeping score to necessarily know it's up there on the board so you can see who's up at the plate. You can see defensively you know who's at at, at what position. So you're right. It, it's totally different and and they're all spread out in football. Again, they're clustered together. So there's a lot happening and it's hard to figure out what's going down. But in baseball, so, you know, I, I understand that you're right. Yeah, you might have a hard time seeing that number from a distance. But if that's the biggest issue you have in a jersey that is created to look stylish, to be worn on the streets, and frankly, to, to make a couple bucks, okay, then then obviously they, they did a really good job of making it look stylish if you're you're just kind of being picky about the number. Yeah, I'm just thinking in my head right now as you're talking, and I, and do not quiz me. Because I'm I'm going through the Rockies. I'm like I can't. I yeah. Blackman wears nineteen. Crone mm-hmm. wear twenty three. I don't think so. No. Twenty five. Uh, no. Twenty five. He wears twenty five. Yeah. Iglesias is eleven. Who? Yeah. Iglesias is eleven. Servin six. But I do the same thing with relievers. Where I go. Okay. I I, I look. I go. Oh, forty three. Yes. Estevez comes out. And I'm like okay. Quiz time. Yeah, I know that one was 54, but I'm like, ooh, I think he's a 50-something. And then if I ask you Ryan Feltner, uh, that's that's going to be a little bit tough. And I think I know the answer. He's got a weird one. He's like 15. Is he? Or maybe he's know. 18. He might be 18. No, he's 18. I'm going to say he's 18. 18? I, that, I just yeah. – I, I said <laughs> this, and then I'm thinking to myself, I would fail miserably. Fail is less than 65%. I would fail. Yeah. A team I watch every single day. Now, if you if you then told me, I go, yeah, that's right. He wears that number. I don't look at the numbers ever. I mean, they kind of just blend in. There's Ryan McMahon from the left side of the plate. I know exactly what he looks like. I would get a hundred out of a hundred if you said, okay, that guy's walk, that guy walking away. Who is that? I go, oh, that's you know, Carlos Estevez. That's Tyler Kinley. But I, I you know, I know what they look like their face looks like i have no idea what the numbers are most of the time and then if i asked you yeah no that that is that's interesting i I think people would find that to be interesting but then if if we were to ask you like okay what junior college did sam hilliard go to and who is his coach yeah uh, there you go i say i had the one was it uh neosha yeah he went to neosha and he went to one in texas first i don't know and then he was at wichita yeah. Oh, See, and how people people just think Sam Hillier just kind of, I don't mm-hmm. know, uh, grew in a lab. You just water him and he grows. He's a homegrown talent and that's it. And you got to know his number, which even right now, I've, I'm drawing a blank on, on what his number. He's in the 20s, maybe? Hilliard? Not sure. 22? Does that sound right? Yes. Yes. That, that definitely sounds right. 22. Yeah, there's people screaming right now going... Are you kidding oh, me? These guys' the numbers are. And you know what? Fair, but at the same time, that's that's a minor one of those minor details that. Yeah, like um, Story was twenty seven, Nolan was twenty eight, mm-hmm. Helton was seventeen, Cargo was Cinco was five. Yep. Brad yeah. Hop was eleven. These are at some of the. Holiday was also five, right? Matt Holiday was also five, and you got all the great number nines like Juan Pierre. Yeah. Vinny, uh, Garrett, uh, Garrett, no, he wasn't. There's a, Billy, Billy wore 19. Yeah. 
Daniel Murphy also wore number nine. Like I said, all the great Rockies do have a lot of good. Like number if you asked me what number did Daniel Murphy wear, I'd say I had no idea. And then you, when you say nine, now I can visualize. Yeah, see it. I can yeah. see it. You end I up seeing it. it. Yeah, for sure. All right. So, do we see any victories on the road here from okay. the Rockies? Now what it's come to, like, hey, what's the road trip going to be now? Do we see any wins in the next six or seven, as you said? Well, they, I'm sure they'll they'll win at least two. And again, it's it's just it's strange how it works because obviously they have difficulty on the road, and then when they come home, that's their safe place. And then all of a sudden, now it's not safe. You know, they they lose a, they get, lose four games to Atlanta. They they fall to seven and twenty over their last twenty seven fewest wins in baseball since May eighth, unfortunately. Uh, and I think I think Atlanta hadn't had a three game winning streak up to that point in the season. Again, world champs incredibly talented. So that's a little more surprising about them than anything, but now they're going to go ahead and flip it. Like they did almost at the end of last year, where they started losing more games at home, but then they were really good on the road. So that's kind of why I think, you know, it's going to end up flipping and, and they may end up surprising a little bit this week with these seven games. It might even end up, you know, winning three out of, out of seven and going three and three and four against two really, really good teams in the NL West. Well, I'm not, I, I don't know about predicting or whatever. I, I know this much. This is very obvious. Uh, I'll, I'll say it in two ways. Number one, you, you're never probably as good as you think you are and you're on your best day or in your best stretch. And you're never as bad as you may feel like you're playing when things are not going well. And, and the Rockies are playing bad baseball. I mean, every night it seems like they're making at least one error, if not two. And, and, uh, you know, they, they've gotten here and there a decent starting pitching performance. Certainly they got one from cool. They got one from Kyle Freeland, but they've been infrequent and they haven't hit and they haven't hit the ball over the wall in the games where they have hit a little bit, they haven't pitched. So there hasn't been baseball symmetry. This week is tough. I mean, San Francisco's solid. I thought they would take a, a big step back from winning 107 games from a year ago with Buster Posey retiring and some changes made. You know, Kevin Gosman is gone. Uh, they're solid, though. They're a solid team. They're going to be in playoff contention, I would think, uh, throughout the year. I believe they're about five games over 500 after winning in Miami yesterday. They never play well in California. We know that. Even when they've been good, they, they struggle to play in California. They haven't played the Padres all year. Padres are good. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I hope they're competitive. I hope they can start, rather than looking at the outcomes, I, I just want to see the Rockies, and, and I guarantee you if Buddy was sitting here and was part of our little podcast, I guarantee you he would say it, it this way also. He wants to see his team start to play good baseball in all elements, and and then the wins will take care of themselves. But making you know a couple of errors a night, starting pitchers dealing with traffic in the, in the first inning, and, and then, you know, their pitch count getting run up and, and they're giving up four and five and, you know, four or five innings. That's a recipe for disaster. So I, he naturally, he, he wants to see them play clean defensively, you know, lower the walk total, start, start to get starting pitchers in deeper into games and, and then have an opportunity to win. And uh, that's what I'd like to see this week, uh, you know, it, playing good baseball in all elements, playing in all elements, playing clean baseball in all elements. You take care of the little things, the big things take care of themselves. Yeah. That's, that's what it comes down to, like, yeah. as, as you just put it. And, you know, outside of the, the blowout in game one on Wednesday against Miami 
and the first game of the series on Thursday against Atlanta, like they were in those games, right? Uh, obviously they won game two, but those games were all incredibly close and, you know, they, they had a chance, they had that opportunity. So it was competitive. So it wasn't, you know, the loss bottom line, you know, they, they didn't get it done, but they were in those games and did, did you guys comment a lot in the booth about how strange it was where, we saw at Coors Field the opposing team score 12 or more runs in three consecutive games, and then all of a sudden on Friday and Saturday night, 0-0 going into extras. How wild was that? Well, it, it's wild because we, you know, we all know it's only happened one other time. That was 2008. The Hall of Famer Greg Maddox on the mound for the Dodgers, and Aaron Cook, uh, you know, inducing 15 ground balls, doing his thing. Uh, for the Rockies, so crazy. And then the next night, and it comes on the heels. I mean, that's Coors Field, right? It comes on the heels of you know 400 <laughs> runs being scored. And and then the next day, it's it's one one going to extra innings. Uh, what maybe the craziest stat of all of them is that the Rockies had three hits on Friday and three hits on Saturday. Never in their history had they produced three hits or less in consecutive home games in Denver. Never it happened. And you know, that's shocking. I mean, it's, it's really shocking that, 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 you know, that we're rolling out that stat uh, right here. And it, it goes back to what we were just talking about. They, they have to play better. They, they have better players than they played over the last three plus weeks, four weeks now. Yeah. And they've got better dentists over at Green Mountain Dental Group. You can guarantee that they've taken amazing care of all of our DNVR members over the years, especially those who've made the permanent switch to Green Mountain Dental Group. And right now, best part is when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam with them, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's what I use. Hopefully, that entices you to pick up the phone and give a call to Green Mountain Dental Group, located just 15 minutes from downtown Denver. And another product I got to say that I love, it's how I start my day each and every morning. It's with Athletic Greens. I started taking this because I noticed a difference too in my gut health. Got to get ahead of those kind of things. And so one scoop of Athletic Greens every morning and I get 75 high quality vitamins, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, minerals, and adaptogens that helps me start my day right. I have a lot of mental clarity when I do that before that first cup of coffee. So that's been really helpful here uh, with, with grinding away with, with all of these games, which, which I love to do and still getting my exercise in. Athletic Greens is helping me do that. And right now, to make it easy on you, Athletic Greens wants to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. It's great where if you're on the go, guess what? Even if it's on your way to work, you can go ahead and use these when you get to work to start your day. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash ROC, the first three letters in Rockies. That's how you let them know. I sent you, Susie sent you with Athletic Greens. Athleticgreens.com slash ROC to take ownership of your health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We were talking before we got on about some of the prospects because there's you know been some buzz again, Buddy talking about Ezekiel Tovar and what he's been doing at the AA level. Baseball America even you know reshuffled their top 100 rankings and Tovar went from you know, virtually off the top 100 to the 26th best prospect in all of baseball. Veen and Romo uh, also in there in the top 36. Adele Amador now. So all of a sudden, Rocky's got four top 100 prospects. Uh, and, and the system overall is is playing 
really well. Almost every team, you know, above 500 uh, in in a postseason or a first half race. So they're winning a lot of games in the minors right now. And I think, you know, things are really looking up overall for their system. Their system, which was taking a great deal of criticism, and, and I think every system kind of rides a bit of a wave because when guys graduate, when when some of those guys graduated, you know, to the big leagues, you know, half a dozen years ago, and were part of, you know, the stories and that that group that helped lead the Rockies to the postseason in back to back years. You know, the the system's going to take a dip. Same thing happened back when when you know Spilly's group graduated, if you will, to to the big leagues and had the good, you know, run 07, you know, disappointing 08, but you know, what I mean, 09 as well, and. Now you're seeing an upswing in prospects, especially in the lower to mid minor leagues. Now they're starting to to hunt Hartford, led by the top prospect in the Rockies chain, Ezekiel Tovar. But there's there's only four in the top 100 where the Rockies barely had one for a couple of years. They have three in the top 36 in Major League Baseball. Um, so that's impressive. It doesn't guarantee that. Guys become stars, and and then guys, you know, outside the top 100, all of a sudden emerge and become uh, players. So I'm excited about that. I'm also glad that you mentioned Patrick the fact that one of the areas of emphasis is winning in the minor leagues, not just individual development. We understand that it's about individual development because most of those guys who play in the minor leagues won't play in the big leagues, but they want to. Um, encourage and create a culture of winning and um, and and having a, a culture of closeness in the individual clubhouses. So when they get to the big leagues, that, that that's been kind of ingrained in them um, as they've come up through the Rockies system. And they are, as you said, winning a number of games at, uh, at, at several different levels. So I think all of that is a positive. And and I think for a fan base that's far more educated now than we were when we were growing up, maybe you heard about a Doc Gooden, um, you know, but you didn't hear about a multitude of prospects when you were following um, your, your favorite team. And, and now you are, and, and you can check their stats. You can you can see their box score on a nightly basis. So I think that's that's all, uh, you know, encouraging and exciting about uh you know the not too distant future for the rockies yeah great great twitter accounts blake street banner they do an amazing job uh the guys over at purple row pebble report kenneth weber and justin wick uh got to give them a shout out because they do uh, amazing work following the minor leagues pretty much just about every day so you know to your point 2014 Asheville tourists they won the south atlantic league and you look at that roster and Sure, maybe only Kyle Freeland, Ryan McMahon made a, a major impact in that 17, uh, 18 run, 18 more so for, for McMahon. But there were a lot of those contributing players in those two seasons in 17 and 18 that was on that 2014 Asheville club that won the South Atlantic League. You know, Carlos Estevez, Yancey Almonte, I think David Dahl might have been a part of that. So, like, they were all in and around that that time. And you're right, it, when, you, when you know how to win and you – know how to win with those guys and you've got that camaraderie it can translate to the major league level that was something that houston had preached i think for a while in in the early 2010s when they were still rebuilding and saying hey let's win at the lower levels of the minor leagues and upper levels as well and then that's going to you know transfer over just a little bit it's going to be a little bit sharper at the big league level and it certainly end up helping them you know win a world series yeah um and uh you know i i try to keep up to date on on what all those guys are doing and some of the 
you know, lesser heralded names and, and get information on, on those guys. It's a process and um, it, it's exciting when you're hearing about guys who are, who are really doing well and, and you find out that, you know, legitimately, Hey, this guy's got a lot of ability. And, and uh, so, yeah, that's, that's all, that's all positive. Now that, now that the, it's not just hype from one organization, uh, you know, with baseball America, having four guys in the top 100 in the whole sport and three, as I said, in the top 36, that's, you know, that's impressive. Yeah. Several more knocking on the door. Benny Montgomery uh, still banged up right now, but you know, he's obviously one of those players that could, could work his way in, into that top 100 list. Uh, another guy might be a little bit far off, but I mean, Tovar 20 years old doing at the double a level conversely 18 year old pitcher, Victor Juarez down with Fresno pitching incredibly well uh, i've been i've been pretty excited about this young man for for a little while now this season i first uh, heard about victor juarez from rolando fernandez who's the director of vice president and director of latin american operations and we've talked about rolando he's been a guest on my podcast uh, he's been with the organization for a long time extremely well thought of uh, in latin america i've been down there on a couple of occasions uh, with him and at the Rockies facility in Boca Chica. Um, Rolando's a really good recruiter, which you have to be. He's a really good talent evaluator. And he told me in spring training first about a trio of young arms from Latin America that were going to be uh, coming to the States for the first time. They played last year in the DSL, the Dominican Summer League. And one of those guys was Juarez. And he felt like they all three of them had a chance to be uh, at the level, if not above, um, when the organization was so excited about, you know, Ubaldo Jimenez and uh, Franklin Morales some years ago. I mean, that was all the chatter I remember in spring training for a couple of years about, hey, but there's two young kids out of Latin America that are righty and a lefty power arms. They're going to be really terrific. And both had, you know, really good major league careers. It, it never goes as exactly as you know nobody just go becomes justin verlander but if you look back at ubaldo jimenez's career really good career and if you look back on franklin morales really good career it was more of it out of the pen maybe than you had first projected it was but these were were winning players um, for winning teams at different times um, so these three guys that he was talking about, Juarez being one, he has really high hopes for and, and feels like they project um, very well down the road. And we got about a month, maybe a little bit more until uh, next year's crop of, of players at the MLB draft. I'm sure you've you know been, been doing your, your fair share of scouting a lot. And, and this is usually the case, but never like top 10 picks or or first round guys, former uh, ball players who, who their sons are there. And uh, MLB Pipeline even had a list recently where number one overall, Matt Holiday's son, Jackson Holiday, was was projected to go there, which we, we'd already talked about him. We knew he was kind of first round talent guy, but now potential number one pick. That's uh, that's exciting. Well, there, there are two sons of that are up there. Jackson Holiday, who we all, many of us remember when he was two years old, hitting uh, <laughs> wiffle balls in the clubhouse, and you're going, "Wow, that kid's two years old! Look at that swing!" <laughs> and 
you know, I, I've said this before, his, his brother, Ethan, hit, I think, 10 home runs as a freshman at Stillwater High on the varsity this year. Ethan's a lot more physical than, than Jackson, and Jackson has a beautiful swing. He, he runs well, and uh, the other son of is, is Andrew Jones' son, Drew Jones, who, who could go 1-1 um, also. It looks to be a draft that is far more talented up front from a position player standpoint and even maybe a high school position player standpoint than a, a pitching standpoint. It looks to be a little bit thinner from a, from a, a especially a college pitching standpoint than some recent drafts, but we'll see. Yeah. You also have uh, Cam Collier, third baseman, uh, son of Lou Collier, who, you know, had a, had a short little career. And then Carl Crawford's son, Justin Crawford, is is also out there. So, well, there's, they, there's also a football player's son in in. Uh, remember the tight end Green? Uh, why am I doing a blank on his, on his on his first name? But his son is a big power hitting high school prospect. Uh, help me out. Do you have that? Do you have the names right in front of you, Patrick? Not all of them. No. There's, there's a former NFL tight end. Uh, oh man, his son his son's going to go high in the draft. Antonio Gates is the only tight end I know in the history of football. How about that for a random one? He's a good basketball player. I know that. All right. While you're talking, I'll look it up and keep going. All right. You'll look it up. Um, well, I, I want to pick your brain a little bit about the College World Series. We still got a way to go. Air Force, they're one of only two Division One colleges in the state of Colorado, along with University of Northern Colorado and up in Greeley. But uh, I believe they were eliminated on Sunday by Troy Tulowitzki's Texas Longhorn. So bummer, but uh, it was nice to see them go as far as, uh, as they were able to go. And, you know, we're, we're getting into the, the regionals here or we're in the regionals. So uh, just curious if, uh, if that's something you kind of keep your eye on a little bit, because I think people are paying a little bit more attention to college baseball than they have in the past. I think that's just with the rise of just in general media, where you can now find a lot more stuff, as you were pointing out before, how you can track these minor league players so much more easier now and actually get video on them and, and listen to podcasts, you know, people talking, you know, for hours about them. And, and I think the same is true now for college baseball. Yeah. Okay. By the way, the name that I was trying to come up with, Eric Green's son. Eric Green was tight end. I remember with the Steelers. His son, Elijah, IMG Academy kid, big, strong, power hitting prospect. Uh, Runs well, big arm. He's uh, he was original. I feel like last year he was the guy going into this year as the number one guy, wasn't he? Uh, he may have been. He's six three, about two and a quarter. Um, so that's the name I was trying to come up with. Now, segueing off of that, <laughs> uh, you're at the college. First of all, big congratulations to Air Force Academy. Yeah, Air Force Academy has a young man that is one of the most intriguing guys in college baseball. Um, what's, Paul. That? what's that? Paul, Paul, Paul Skeens, yep. right? Paul Skeens throws a hundred miles an hour on the mound. He starts and he'll work at 98. He also catches and he is an outstanding hitting prospect. He is, he's got some Shohei Otani in him at the collegiate level. He's not draft eligible. We also understand he goes to the Air Force Academy. He's basically just completed with them being eliminated by Texas. And, and again, a huge congratulations. What a great run by Air Force. Um, he, he just completed his sophomore year. 
I can't tell you how much respect I think I have and all of us have for the young men and women that go to the academies and serve our country and, and put their life ultimately on the line. I've been so fortunate over the years to call so many games, whether it be football or basketball in particular at the academy. Um, I love those kids. They're what we all want our children to be. Having said all that, he has a decision to make because he truly could be a, a high first round pick next year if he's if he was at another school. And so after your sophomore year, you have the ability to leave the academy. And I'm wondering, is this a young man that decides I, I got to put my baseball, you know, the opportunity to play professional baseball and make a lot of money in front of my commitment to, you know, to the Air Force. Um, you know, it's been done before. I, and I know you could say, well, he can go through four years and get drafted. Uh, Griffin Jacks, who we'll see in a, in a couple of weeks, is pitching for, for the Minnesota Twins and is an Air Force Academy grad. And, and the Department of Defense is, has made it easier now for gifted athletes to fulfill their commitment to the military and also um, play professionally. Obviously, David Robinson is the, is the most prime example of that. You know, you're going way back, Roger Staubach, uh, you know, the Naval Academy grad. But Skeens will have, a, a, you know, I'm sure a decision to make that he's discussing with his family. But I, I did want to break his name out because this, this, guy's, this guy's special talent. I don't know. I haven't talked to enough pro scouts yet on him to see, is it eventually more here or is it swinging the bat? Uh, but he's, he's unique. I was very disappointed in, in February. Air Force was supposed to come up to uh, Northern Colorado, my neck of the woods and, and play UNC. And I was, okay, I'm going to be there for that game. I got to get my eyes on, on this guy who's, you know, right. I, I think I saw some projections at the beginning of this year of saying, Hey, carte blanche, you know, of the just players, amateur players, you know, he was like a top 25 player out there. So yeah, he's, it'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing. So he's uh, making the country proud. He's, he's making Colorado proud. And so uh, that was a good story. I would have liked to have seen them, you know, gone farther, but uh, damn Longhorns. That's it. Um, yeah. The Longhorns are really talented. Um, <laughs> so but they they have nothing. The Air Force Academy has nothing to be yeah. embarrassed about. 1967 was the last time they played in the postseason, and not only did they play in the postseason, they they won a couple of ball games uh, in that Austin Regional. They got to the final against UT. So big hats off to those guys. I remember I was I was rolling out of the academy one day. I'd done a basketball game. It was like a Saturday afternoon game, and it's in March, early March, and you know, baseball's already started to play and I, and I drive by and I see, oh, this ball game going on. So I stop and I get out and it was a sixth inning, Patrick, and they were playing New Mexico and the score, I, I kid you not, the score was like 19 to 14 in the sixth inning. It's, it's hard to play at the, at the Academy. Wow. It's, it's, it's like at 7,000 feet, the ball flies. Uh, so difficult to pitch there. Dave Hatchick's team, uh, which does a, he's done a really good job at UCCS. They have the same issue because they're playing at about 6,600 feet across the street, basically, at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs in the RMAC. Uh, so <laughs> there's a lot of ping pong matches that take place down there. If you think Coors Field yields a lot of runs, go down to Colorado Springs. 
I think that makes sense why uh, most of the photographs I've seen of, of Air Force and their pitchers, they're all wearing neck braces. Now, yeah, I, was, right. I, I was, didn't really understand why. Now I get it. Now yeah. I see. I think that makes a lot of sense. Do you have any uh, any picks or predictions as to who's going to go? I'm still I'm sticking with uh, Arizona. That was my pick the start of the season uh, with uh, Mr. Daniel Susick there, and as well as Chase Davis. Did you see that going viral? I think it might have been right before the start of the season. This kid Chase Davis and his swing looks identical to Carlos Gonzalez. He had like back to back walk off grand slams or something like that. I haven't. I know, I'm gonna have to look that one up. I haven't yeah. seen that. I saw. I, I was at one of U of A's practices a, a year ago. It was before Chip Hale took over. Big fan of Chip Hale. Uh, he's done. He's done a great job there. Um, you know the U of A. Um, doing a blank. Uh, oh, Wildcats. Uh, no, no, I, not the. I'll, I'll think of what I was about to say in a moment. But uh, predictions, I, I still think this isn't exactly going out on a limb. But Tennessee's really, really talented, and and I think they have to be the team to beat ultimately when the super regionals are done. I, I think Tennessee is going to be tough to beat. But I, I am so excited that not only you know baseball people like us are are talking about it, but it just seems in following social media. And and just there's there's been more college baseball chatter and more people saying, hey, did you catch that finish of the Coastal Carolina game or the or did you see, you know, GCU or there, there's just more college baseball conversation and people actually taking the games in than I ever recall. And I am so excited about that uh, because I'm a huge, huge college baseball fan. At all, at all levels. Yeah, no, that's, that's exciting. It's yeah, it's, it's a good time to, to be watching some baseball. No two ways about it. Do want to uh, give you some trivia because it's, it's been a minute since we've done the trivia thing for you. And I saw something made me think of you and I was like, okay, you're, you're going to like this. I got two things that I think you'll really like. Oh, I, real quick before you do that, yes. the guy I wanted to give a shout out. He's had a great year at, at the U of A in, in, all kids with Colorado ties, I always like to honor them. Tanner Tremba, former Cherry Creek star, was at Texas Tech and then transferred to the U of A. You know, he, he's, he's always been a great hitter, and, and uh, he's been a big part of things for the Wildcats uh, this year. So a uh, big shout-out to him. And I had forgotten that I wanted to ask you, Ben Joyce of the University of Tennessee, 105 miles an hour. Someone was asking me, could this guy be in, you know, most – major league bullpens right now will he have one of those like houston street type turnarounds where almost as soon as he gets drafted goes to the major similar situation with garrett crochet also from the university of tennessee uh different situation there in, in the pandemic shortened season of 2020 but still could could would would he be uh a decent setup guy at this point or there's still there's still some stuff to work on the jump from college ball to to the bigs is you know, still somewhat sizable. I'm sorry, 104, to 104, <laughs> and if as long as he's throwing enough strikes, right, you only have so many bullets in your arm, as the saying goes. You want to waste those in Double A? Yeah, it's happened, but 104 is 104, and I would have to believe that that's going to be a quick transition. Yeah. I would agree. That in would, the right. in in the Nolan Arenado documentary, they talked about 
some of the radar guns that they had used maybe in the like early 80s, something like that, maybe late 70s. And when recalibrated, they say Nolan was throwing 109 miles an hour. Maybe, maybe he was, but I thought that was interesting. I go, wow, okay. Uh, I would, I would want to see the math. I would want to yeah, see the math know. on it. But that's, that's too, that's too, <laughs> for me, that would be, you know, what he's throwing 10, 15% harder than the next hardest throwing guy. I'd have, I don't know. That, that's true. That's fair. But also, again, I if, raise if, two eyebrows at that one. With uh, that's that's all of your eyebrows too. For all I got. Realize that. Really have eyebrows. But knowing that Joyce could get up to one hundred and five. What what's the fastest major league pitch? I feel like the fastest in MLB might be like one hundred and four, right? Or is did yeah, Chapman get one hundred and six? Some Chapman somewhere in in that range, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe it's possible. Not sure. All right. We saw B Rod Homer for three times in a game on Wednesday night, the third of which was a walk off Homer. Got this from Horsehide Trivia, which is a saber thing, super nerdy. And the question was who holds the major league record for most walk off Homers? And I thought, okay, this is great. I know you've seen this guy play. He's, he's more recent. He's homered in 38 different ballparks. So it's a guy who hits a lot of home runs. He's 38 ballparks. He is not. Nope. And he's in the Hall of Fame. In the last 10 years, he's been in the Hall. He was placed into the Hall of Fame. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Jim Tomey. Nailed it. Look at this guy. You got it. That was I it. got it. Yeah. Well, Swear to God, you mean, got it. You told me he's in the Hall of Fame. You told uh, me it's recent. I'm thinking. Guy, he had to play a long time to have the opportunity to sure. hit walk-off homers. He had to hit a, a slew of homers. Jim Tomey hit a, what? What is Tomey? Sixth, fifth on the all-time home run list, or whatever it is. So, Jim Tomey came to mind. I finally got a trivia question right. There you good go with, with ease. That's impressive. It's gonna be a good day. That's impressive. I forget what the number was. Uh, oh, thirteen. Which. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. 13 times you get popcorn and gum and, and <laughs> Gatorade poured on you at home plate. I don't know that's if they did that. Lot. I don't know if they did that back then. Maybe towards the end of his career, they were dumping that stuff. Yeah. Also, one of the nicest yes. people to ever wear a baseball uniform. Really, I, I've only talked to him. A, you know, a, a couple of times, but that's his reputation. And when you meet him, he doesn't disappoint. He just, he's kind of, he's, he's one of those people that the phrase disarmingly nice applies to. I got to meet him in, in 2019 uh, ahead of Roy Halliday's induction and just talked to him briefly and, and just, yeah, incredibly nice. Just what a, what a guy that you, you got to root for. Now, how many home runs did Jim Tomei hit at Coors Field? We're going to, we're going to do double or nothing on that one. Mm. This this almost has the feel of trick question because Tommy didn't play many games I don't know, at, at Coors Field, I don't think. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two or zero or two. So I'll go say, with your gut. Go with your gut. Go with your gut. I'm gonna go zero. Two for two, this guy. Yes. Only 33 plate appearances. And he, yeah, you got it. Zero. Very good. Yeah. Shoot, wow. I'm gonna make these harder. What a day. 
What a day. Is there any casino near here in <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you 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 got it. All right. I, I'm gonna give you another one here okay. since you're good at this. All right. B Rod, speaking of Mr. Brennan Rogers here, was a triple short of the cycle on Sunday. And I don't think there's necessarily a word for that. Kevin Collins from Rockies PR, he did this in Albuquerque. He would call it a shikle. If you're if you're one hit shy yeah. of a cycle. So I said, Oh, th- that might be fairly common. Obviously, triple is the hardest one. Uh it's the easiest. Uh, ball uh, course field is the easiest place to to hit a triple so we know that's why there's been 18 cycles hit there so did a quick little search all time lou gehrig is number one being a triple shy of a cycle 44 times in the top 25 list it's who's who of the hall of famers only five are not in the hall of fame pools cabrera still playing bonds and palmero steroids and fit of one of the other guys on that wasn't in the hall of fame in the top 25 of guys who came up a triple shy of a cycle juan gonzalez Two MVPs, uh, only got five and a half, uh, 5.2 percent of the votes. First time on the ballot, he fell off his second time. Do you think Juan Gonzalez gets uh, enough attention, or is he is he kind of firmly entrenched in your opinion with with a lot of the steroid era guys? Unfortunately, I think he falls into that category clearly of of guys that yeah. uh, uh, you know going they, they fall into the PD barrel and the PD barrel. Um, of guys that didn't play in a huge market necessarily. And so great point. There are guys in the PD barrel that were in big markets that we talk more about, you know, led probably by, by, you know, Barry bonds. And then there's some other guys you're like, well, that guy really had big numbers, but there's, there's a huge influence in baseball. We know this, Uh, I don't want to get off on this tangent, but if you played for New York, or you played for LA, or you played for Boston, that if you have the same numbers as somebody that played in Colorado, or maybe played in Milwaukee, or Arizona, you're not going to get nearly the same attention, or is your career going to be looked upon uh, historically at the same level of somebody with with the exact same numbers who played for one of the more storied franchises in in a larger market. It's a fact. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very fair. Now, do you know who holds the record for Rockies? Shikles, double, single, homer, missed the triple. So you had to miss the triple. Yes. I I mean, that one to me would seem like a no brainer. And you take the, the greatest Rocky and the guy who hit almost 600 doubles, Todd Helton, 17 years. I would, I would, and Todd, Todd as the years went by, when Todd first came out, he could run a little bit. Um, you know, he originally was a center fielder in high school. Uh, so I would, I, I'm going to say Helton. Drew Goodman, you are three for three today. Wow. Look that, at that. That wasn't hard though. I don't think that was hard. I'm going to give you the day off. You know what? You don't have to worry about covering a game today. That's your, that's your <laughs> Thank reward. You. Thank you. All right, but when I when I looked at the list, I went down like the the top ten list, and it's everyone you would expect: Helton, Walker, Holiday, Cargo, Nolan, Tula, Bichette, Burks, Atkins, Charlie Blackman, Hop, Vinny Castilla, and then tied for thirteenth with five shikles, triple shy of the cycle, Andres Galarraga, and one name that you wouldn't necessarily put with those other home run hitting luminaries. Brian so, Spielberg's. I was just going to say my partner's a Spilly five times was a triple. I'm giving start. you that one. Yeah. I'm going to. Yeah. You believe that? 
you know, you know that um, my favorite avocation is to bust his balls, right? I mean, I, I hope people realize that when they're watching the broadcast, that, that that's my favorite form of entertainment is bust bust Billy's chops. So that you just gave me more fodder for him. But like, that, that was a compliment. I mean, if you're gonna if you want to spin it in, into uh, you know into some some ball busting, you can. But I looked at him like, oh, this is this is great. You know, top fourteen guys. It's all of the legendary. You know, it's all the bombers and and then some. And also Ryan Spielborgs. Yeah, it's a great and, thing. and Spilly because he because maybe he you know he'll he'll probably listen down the road. But um, Spilly Spilly was had had a heck of a career. He had a really nice run. And I'm really proud of him, and I love him dearly, just like uh, my, just like Jeff Houston, Corey Sullivan. Those guys all had really nice careers. I think when you're in the middle of it, you're you're typically as a, as an athlete, a lot of times you're frustrated. I wish I was getting more at bats, or I wish I did more of this or more of that. But when you can step away, when you eventually step away, and time allows you to reflect, not not in the immediate aftermath, but you know, five, ten years down the road you look back and go hey there's a lot to be proud of in, in terms of what i accomplished and i and i know my partners feel that way and they should feel that way just to get to the big leagues you're a needle in a haystack and in the case of spilly so many great moments um and 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 a, a huge part of some some really good teams with colorado um, so I, you know i'm proud of of those guys even though I love to, to, you know, to tease them. But so I'll have to break that one out. Billy five times was a triple shy of the cycle. It's not bad. It's no, pretty it's good. Not bad. That's five, not bad. Five, five more times uh, he was shy than, than you or I. So you're right. That is uh, that, a that's, special thing. Yeah, that's why I like with fans who go, oh, you know, you suck or whatever. Like, oh, really? Um, <laughs> how many at-bats have you had in the big leagues? Or double really? A. How about just double A? How many bats have you? Did you play in high school? You know, <laughs> usually the people who are popping off never played anything. Yeah, that can happen. That certainly can happen. And uh, what's going to be happening this week? Maybe a surprise guest. Maybe Walt Weiss. I know you caught up with him. So on the Drew Goodman podcast this week, people are going to be waiting with bated breath uh, I, I, as as you're as you're hitting your stride right now again in the middle of the summer here. As it's yeah, I, you know how much I enjoy doing the long form interview. And I had fun with John Miller and, and John's up the part two this week. And he talks about Vince Scully and it's priceless stuff. Him talking about Scully and, and um, you know, and, and, and the great story about Barry Bonds and, and, you know, if you're into broadcasting and all Dave Fleming, I mean, the, is that the, is that the all time? Can you, you know, when, when a mic doesn't work, like the absolute worst occasion for that to happen. I'll just kind of tease that story. He tells about Dave Fleming who's a, you know, terrific announcer. You hear him on ESPN also, you know, with the giants as well, but th that was a lot of fun. But with Walt, um, Walt's a friend and, and Walt's somebody I, I have on typically at least once a year. And he's, he's, he's so, I call him closet funny. He's really witty. And we, we get into some really great stories and and i i i was i'm when i come away and i'm like yeah that was a lot of fun and when when you have a you know this patrick you do this now when you have an interview and you're like man that was a lot of fun if you had a lot of fun typically you know the people who ultimately listen to it are going to have a lot of fun so we're going to play walt in the next week or two 
and I think uh, people will really uh, will really enjoy some of some of the stories and some of the topics we get into with Walt. We kind of get off uh, off the beaten path a little bit. This is kind of like what uh, you and I do each and every week. So I, I know exactly what that experience is like, having fun, talking yeah. with you, chopping it up, going down who, who knows what kind of paths. It's, it's yeah, definitely that, fun. Yeah, that, honestly, that's why I look forward every every week to when you and I get together. And, and uh, you know, we yeah, we talk breakdown baseball. And we talk about, hey, the Rockies are doing this. They're not doing this. And, you know, this prospect, that prospect. Hey, did you hear? But, you know, a lot of it is just some of the off-the-cuff stuff that, you know, what you and I do, it's never planned. And it's it's not choreographed and and it's fun man it's just it's just two guys you know shooting the ball so i enjoy it man it's fantastic yeah follow him on twitter at dnvr uh well i'm at dnvr underscore rockies you're at drew goodman 42 i'm also at patrick d lions i'm not at the Susie hunter she is uh and you can follow her on twitter uh check out the drew goodman podcast it is dropping this thursday morning See if you can be the first. See if you can beat me in listening to it and uh, and, and tweet it out there uh, to our buddy Drew Goodman. It's been great. It's been fun. But you know what they say about momentum. It's only as good as your next show. So we'll talk to you then. <laughs>